0: We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Ploege with the Nebraska Game
1: and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources.
2: And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife Parks. Follow us on our outdoor adventures.
1: Hey all, welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. As I look around, all I can say is happy spring. The birds are chirping. It is rainy, but I can't be more excited about it. Green grass and flowers and just happiness is ahead of us. So bring on the rain is, is my outlook, I guess. have to say that we apologize a little bit for uh, for being off the air for a couple of weeks. It's It's been crazy. I think the the COVID like sleep of two years is finally wearing off. And I know our guest today probably is like, what break? I didn't get a break for the last two years, but for those of us that were, you know, doing in-person groups and planning and all that, it seems like it kind of hit pause. And now it's both feet on the gas pedal, hold on because there's so much going on. So it's exciting, but it's almost, You got to take a second and remember, how did we do this before? But uh, here in Iowa, we just had our National Archery in the Schools program, our state tournament. So we had about 3,000 athletes over the course of three days shooting both bullseye and 3D uh archery it was amazing to see all the parents the grandparents the kids uh just the school pride and the excitement with the program it was just a really busy but really rejuvenating weekend so that's kind of what's going on here in in Iowa but Tana what's going on Kansas
2: Rachel, I echo your sentiments completely. It has been almost double time now that we're into spring. This is such a fun time of year. Uh, like you all in Iowa, we recently wrapped up our NASP state tournament, so our national archery in the schools tournament. That was super fun seeing all those kiddos go out and shoot. My fantastic coworker, Lindsey Ryan, who coordinates that program. Um, she actually let me do the announcing. So, if any of you were in Kansas and were at that tournament, you heard my obnoxious voice there. Absolutely. It was a perfect job for me. <laughs> um, we also have our Becoming an Outdoors Woman program that is going to um, open up at the end of April. So, we're excited to see everybody out at Rock Springs near Junction City, Kansas. And uh, it'll be the first time we're getting back to BOW since COVID. So, it will be a really, really awesome time. We also just recently launched the Kansas Birding Trail, which is really exciting. Um, So rather than one long trail, it's kind of like birding hotspots that are connected on one big map. So I encourage everyone to go check that out. We are also preparing for year two of the Great Kansas Fishing Derby. So that's another really fun one to keep an eye on. Catch a tagged fish and win a prize. Always a good time. Of course, we're transitioning into spring topics on our KDWP and Kansas Wildlife Federation Flatlander podcast as well. So we'll be talking about projects like our Bald Eagle Telemetry Project. It's a partnership with a ton of different organizations. And uh, you guys remember Amy? Well, uh, she was on the podcast in the past talking to us about entomophagy. She joined us on the Flatlander podcast as well. So really fun one to catch up with. And um, also we're getting ready to kick off some more hunter education classes. So like Rachel said, foot on the gas, full speed ahead. Spring is here and we're ready to rock. Julia, what about you? You know, Tana and Rachel
0: basically, same thing going on in Nebraska. We also just had our uh, NAS turn it as well. 600 kiddos. It was absolutely great to see all in one day shooting the arrows. I think I seen those like 32,000 arrows that were flung that day. We are launching and getting our Beyond Becoming Outdoor Woman programs out there. Some shooting series coming up, some introduction to some of our parks kayaking and on top of that we have finally in person our outdoor discovery program days that are going to be at three different parks here across Nebraska each of those days we have almost a thousand kids fifth and sixth graders coming to the park so as you two we're going we're burning probably the candle on both ends but it's awesome it's great and we're just happy to be back in person
1: well, thanks, ladies. Just listening to what's going on in, in our three states, it's it's just fun. It's exciting. Um, and today we are joined by one of my favorite ladies in the field, Miss Lori Everhart. Lori's just one of those ladies who smiles and says, what are we doing today? It's never, oh my gosh, what, where, how, it's, what are we doing? How do we get it done? And Let's smile and laugh until it's done. So a heartfelt and genuine welcome to Lori for joining us on the podcast today.
3: Well, Rachel, thank you so much for those kind words. We're very fortunate as in the Department of Natural Resources, I've made a lot of friends over the years, and I'm so lucky to have you as one of them because you've helped me out in different situations when it comes to hunter ed programs and things like that. My name is Lori Eberhard. Um, I work for the Iowa Department of Natural Resources in the Parks and Forest um, Preserves Bureau, and I'm at George West State Park, which is located in northeast Iowa in Black Hawk County. I'm originally from Winneshee County, which is about an hour north of northeast of me here um, in a small town called Fort Atkinson, where I grew up right next to a state preserve is the fort in Fort Atkinson. And so I kind of started with conservation when I was little. And then my family owns a nursery in Fort Atkinson that my brother now is running, and we are the fourth generation. It was started in 1901 by my great-grandparents. And so last year was 120 years to be in the same family. So that's a pretty huge thing. Unfortunately, we lost my dad this last summer, but he taught me a lot. He raised me to be independent, and just because I was a girl didn't mean I couldn't do it. And so I really give my dad a lot of credit for who I am today. And, so my intention was to, when I graduated high school from a small town, you know, get away for a little bit, just kind of see a little bit of the world instead of my little corner there. And um, came to Waterloo, went to Hawkeye Tech at the time, now it's Hawkeye Community College, took horticulture classes, graduated, worked for a nursery in Cedar Falls, um, was gonna go back and work with my family. Well, the longer I was away, I was like, well, you know, maybe I don't wanna go back home and Didn't want to take away from my family because it's a small business. And if another one comes home, you kind of take away from that. So at the age of 25, I signed up and I went back to school. And as I'm sitting there, as I turn 25, I'm like, what am I doing? And my intent was to go back and be a science teacher just because of my outdoor background. I grew up doing hunting with my dad and fishing and working outdoors and stuff. So that science would be a good thing. Well, then, you know, I was working full-time, going to school full-time, so grades weren't the best for being in the education department, and then I found out about national history interpretation as a major, and so it was considered kind of a jock major at the time, but we took a little bit of all the different sciences, and what it was is non-formal education, and so started that, well, then I met a couple other people during that program. Scott Dykstra was one of them, and he had worked for the county conservation here in Blackout County, and then he was working at George West State Park as a seasonal. He's like, hey, Lori, why don't you apply? So I did. And that's kind of how I got started in state parks. And getting hired is very difficult. So I took a chance and applied and it hit just the right time. And Scott and I both got hired in the same group, um, which is hard to believe it's coming up on 22 years ago. So I started at Lacey Kiowa State Park down in Southeast Iowa, a beautiful part of the area. Had CCC buildings from the Conservation Corps during the Depression, but I was from Northeast Iowa, and so I really kind of wanted to be back up here. So when George Wood came open, I was able to transfer back. I was got married, met my husband when, and he was an traditional student at UNI as well, and we will be celebrating 20 years this October, and we have two amazing boys. I know everybody says that, but I'm really blessed to have the boys I have. We've been through a lot. Uh, I'm a cancer survivor twice now and coming up, uh, working on four years cancer-free. So my children have been taught a lot of life lessons, right, firsthand, and we don't shy away from that. And um, with my job, you know, we do, we, we talk about life and there's difficult situations. And just with the climate of everything going on is it's it's tough being a parent, but you have to be that parent And I think because I'm in this role, it's not easy, but it is easy to talk about the situation. So my kids hopefully are prepared as they can be as they get ready to graduate high school and go to college. And, you know, I can't I can't keep them in my bubble. And so I want them to be prepared as possible. And so with different things that happened this last year, it was I tell you, it was a crazy year. I've, I've been very blessed with a great job. Um, and
2: a very great family and lots of friends. Lori, it sounds like you had an incredibly charming upbringing. Uh, You have a beautiful family, clearly. You can tell just by the way you talk about them, how close you all are. And I really appreciate you sharing that background with us. Also, I want to take a moment to congratulate you on your cancer-free status and also on your anniversary coming up. That's really exciting. And you bring up such an important point, you know, in wildlife and the outdoors in this industry in general, I think it can seem like a lot of fun from the outside looking in. And I think most of the time it absolutely is. But that's Mm -hmm. not to say that we don't, uh, like you mentioned, deal with some really heavy, important and serious topics sometimes. And I appreciate your approach to that and the way that bleeds over into your personal choices and the uh, things you teach your family and friends. And it's powerful.
3: Yeah, I have friends that they don't like to have those difficult conversations. And, you know, they're never, ever easy. But it's, It helps your family to have those discussions before you're in that situation yourself. That if someone else is going through something, talk about that. You know, you never know when it's going to happen. You know, things happen just like that. And if you're not prepared for it, and and none of us ever truly are, but at least if you've had those conversations, you have an idea and you can be kind of comforted knowing what those discussions were and brought out.
2: Well, Lori, you mentioned too, you said about 22 years since you started with the state park, you originally began that? Yes. Wow. I'm curious, what did that landscape look like when you started and how has that culture changed and shifted as you progressed through your career?
3: Well, you know, I really didn't think it changed much until a couple of years ago. We're in an urban area. We're right smack in the middle of Waterloo and Cedar Falls. We have a trail that connects both of the communities and expands all other directions and, you know, we always were busy just because we have the University of Northern Iowa and Cedar Falls. We have Hawkeye Community College. So there's always sports camps going. They have Gallagher Blue Dorn, which is a theater. There's just always something going on. And when I started, we didn't have reservations for camping. And now we do. And we're up to 75% reservable. And a couple parks are starting to go to 100% reservable. So our Dynamics in the campground changed since we're centrally located between Illinois, Nebraska, Missouri, Minnesota, all that is we're kind of a central location for families to meet. And so we have a lot of family reunions. And as time's gone on, people don't necessarily want to sit at a program for an hour. You know, they'll pop in, listen for 10 minutes, and then they leave. But having actual programming kind of shifted here because people were coming to do specific things and they didn't necessarily want to be tied down. And looking at that, I was like, well, yeah, we kind of have changed. And another big change we've had is the ethnic diversity that we've had. It is amazing the different cultures that we have in our community. And so I look at my job as a lot of education. And it's not to write citations. It's to educate. But then I also educate myself on that. Because I, I always tell people, I don't care if you're purple with pink polka dots you know, let's, let's try and figure this out. If, if, if you, if you have questions, please ask, I will try everything I can to get an answer for you. If I don't have the answer, I've got them. I used to say Rolodex, but a lot of people don't know what a Rolodex is anymore. So I have a large phone list and thank goodness for that and, and stuff. And so, so that's how it's changed. It's not a lot of different people, still a lot of people, but different people and just trying to work with everybody and try and make people realize that, Hey, we're all here for the same thing. You know, you just want
0: to enjoy the outdoors. Lori, it sounds like you have a very welcoming park. You know, I'm not real familiar with Iowa, and and I'm not sure how familiar TAN is either. But can you, like, you may have mentioned this in the beginning, but I just want to refresh the memory of where exactly could we find this park or maybe close to a certain, maybe a larger town that you could tell us, uh, those of us that are not from Iowa. And then, you know, you mentioned some great facilities for picnics. Obviously, it sounds like there's a water source there, but uh, not only is where it is located if if our listeners are coming into Iowa, but what can they do?
3: We are located two hours north and east of Des Moines. So we're north, George With is north of Highway 20, the current Highway 20. It's moved a few times, but north of Highway 20. We're right off of Highway 218. Um, we're about 45 minutes north of Cedar Rapids. So in that northeast corner there um, in Black Hawk County. And George With, I always say, is we have something for everybody. Um, a lot of our parks are like a fishing park, equestrian, uh, recreational area. But George With has something for everybody. We have four lakes and we have a Cedar River. So we are prone to flooding. We flooded only once last year, which was, knock on wood, a very good thing, because four years ago, we flooded six times. And so it's been nice not to have to deal with that as much. And hopefully it kind of stays away for a couple more years. We have a bike trail system that we have 100 plus miles of paved trails in Waterloo Cedar Falls in the, in the Cedar Valley and we have approximately 10 miles of soft trails in George with. So we have a Cedar Trails partnership that is a volunteer group, nonprofit um, that helps promote all trails because we also have water trails with our four lakes. And then we have Hartman Reserve Nature Center, which just is just across the river from us. We partnered and they have two small lakes and stuff. So with our four lakes, the Cedar River and their two lakes, we were the first grant for a water trail and it's was the first looped water trail in the state of iowa and each lake is different some will do just a few lakes some will do you know start in different places but it officially starts in george Whip. and we have fisher lake which is an oxbow of the cedar river um and has lily pads in it so you really get a workout in the summertime with all the lily pads and just everything is different the wildlife that you see You'll see eagles, otters, muskrat, mink, beavers, squirrels, rabbits, deer, you know, and we have over 200 species of birds that have been found in George Wythe. So we get a lot of birding. In the wintertime, we don't shut down, which everybody thinks we do. Uh, Facilities get shut down, but we still have trail use. So we have snowshoeing is really becoming big, fat tire bikes, cross-country skiing still happens, but it's not as popular um, because everybody's going to snowshoeing kind of. And we have people that will still walk and do uh skate skiing as well, ice fishing um, with the four different lakes. It really gives everybody an opportunity to spread out. And then we have, and it's funny, we have a beach, we have the only public beach in Blackhawk County, and we have the only boating lake. So all of the lakes around are no wake lakes except for Brinker Lake. And it's only 180 acres. So we can only allow 37, 38 trailers to park. And so we'll have people wait anywhere from a few minutes to three hours to get on that lake. Um, because not a lot of them are familiar with the river because the river changes all the time. Um, and it's, and it fluctuates with the depth too. And so it's been low. And if you don't realize that when the waters come up, sandbars change. And if you thought, well, you know, last year I went through there and it was fine. Well, this year you go through and yeah, bottom out. Um, and so that gets to be pretty crazy on the weekends, especially in holidays. So we spend anywhere from nine o'clock in the morning till six, seven o'clock at night, monitoring the traffic to one in, one out. The beach gets very busy cause there's no charge to get onto it. We have a concessionaire that'll rent kayaks and um, stand up paddle boards. There's a lot of shoreline fishing. We do have people that will bring their boats in and go fishing, picnic areas. We have a enclosed lodge that's a day use one that gets used for our family reunions, receptions, weddings, just get togethers. Um and then we have three open shelters as well. So yeah, there's just I always say there's just always something going on.
1: It's amazing too. I it's fun talking to different park managers across the state because you know, I, th- I think most people have a pretty routine job where they they have pretty standard things that they do throughout the day. And any park manager that you talk to, I don't think there is a typical day like it's like, well, it's Sunday. So, yeah, we have to do some more stuff with the campground because a lot of people leave. But beyond that, you never know. So I, it's always amazing to hear what a, what a kind of a normal day and, and just the cycle of a park. It's, it's insane. But Lori, I have a question about George With With it being such a diverse park and such a, an amazing location between two very populated cities, what's the history on the park? How did, how did it come to be?
3: In the 40s, it was called Josh Higgins Parkway because it used to be you could drive through from the Waterloo side to the Cedar Falls side. And Josh Higgins was a radio character um, there was a guy that actually was that, but his radio name was Josh Higgins. And so that's how that came about. And then George With was the founder of Viking Pump. And he was a huge conservationist. And so he actually purchased some of the first property that George With is on and expanded it. And he was actually on what would be our Natural Resource Commission board back in the 30s. And so he always was pushing for conservation. And with being in a metro area, even at that time, he had the foresight of it. And so it was actually the city of Cedar Falls and group some organizations there that pushed after he passed to have it renamed after him. And so in 1956, it became George West State Park. Um, Then in the early 80s, that's when the configuration kind of changed a little bit to where we now only have one entrance to come in with vehicles, and one entrance to go out. And we used to be an island in Blackhawk County, and they got rid of their islands. And so, because our entrance is in Waterloo side, Waterloo is the one that got to take us. So, we are now in the city of Waterloo for assistance with, with Waterloo PD, fire and rescue, and all of that. State patrol will still come through. And so, we're Black Hawk County Sheriff's Department. And I, after this last summer, I joke, I said, in 20 years, you know, I knew a couple officers after this last summer. I know a lot of them by name, that's how much we worked with them this summer, just because of this, that, and everything else. And because most people that come out, it's their de-stressor time. And that's one nice thing about this job is if, it, you know, a little bit of stress, I go drive around the park or, you know, go for a walk and, you know, an owl flies in front of me, or I get to see an otter swimming in front of the, in the lake, or, you know, you just get to see some people just having a great time having a picnic, so It's nice to have a job that can be my stressor, but can also be my de-stressor.
2: Absolutely. And Lori, I have to say, you know, I want to recognize that it takes a lot of strength and open-mindedness to have these conversations and to talk about your experiences in the park like that, to talk about all the diversity you see and trying to find common ground with all these different groups. and. I just I think it's a really powerful thing and I'm glad you're sharing that with us. And just listening to you talk, um, you know, obviously on the podcast as you know because you said you do listen and we appreciate that, but we love to have on women just like you that are these powerful women, these open-minded women just kicking butt in the natural resource world and I have a feeling that you are um, a big proponent of uplifting other women in the natural resource world. and I'm wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about the I Winner program or the Iowa Women in the Natural Resources program.
3: Absolutely. This was started by one of my huge mentors um, in the DNR was Jennifer Lancaster. Uh, she was our first conservation officer, uh, female conservation officer in the state of Iowa, and she was the first female, Supervisor for the Law Enforcement Bureau. And this year is 34 years that Iowa Women and Natural Resources or IWinner has been around. We were able to have a regular conference this year. And it was amazing. We, the board was like, we're meeting. I don't care. I, I'm like, I need this meeting. I need to see friends and be with you in the same room and have discussions. And we had awesome speakers and just the networking and just all of that is the different organizations that we have that attend is we're all out there and want people to, and everybody to know, but especially females, is that there's people out there and you can do this. Um, it, it's still a male dominated world, but, you know, I've been fortunate. It's most of the men that I work with are awesome and so supportive of Iowa Women and Natural Resources of women working in the field. Um, You know, there's a few, but no matter what field you're in, there's always a few jerks, whatever. Um, But it is a great organization that we just try and lift each other up. And we're so excited. And like in state parks, we might be doing something, but county might be doing something that we can partner with or, you know, just getting ideas on projects that they've done or we're thinking about doing maybe this project and someone else has done it and they gave you some pointers on how to get through it a little bit easier or some context to get more information so you can put a package together to present to a supervisor. And But there's the partnerships too is because we can't all do this on our own. Um, everybody's budgets are tight and having that collaboration is huge. You know, like with you guys all getting together from different states, it's, we all kind of do the same thing, but sometimes in another state, they have, they've already started the wheel. We don't have to reinvent it. And so having those organizations and just those people that you know, and you pick up the phone and say, hey, Rachel, what about this? Or do you know somebody that knows something about this? It's just having those connections. And that's what I really love about it. And you know, we really invite college kids, um, men and women to it, and because they're our future. And so if we can show them what's out there for jobs, and having the different organizations, you know, it, that's giving them an insight and giving them face to face people that they can call and ask questions. And for the park managers in Iowa, now we're starting a mentoring program and it's just in the infant stage, but it's just like, you know, I said, I'm still learning. Every year I learn something and things are changing. And when you're stuck in your little world, yeah, you do some changes, but sometimes there's new ideas that come out and it's just like, I'm always like, hey, to our seasonal staff. if you see something, I said, I probably drove about drove by it 10 times, but I forget to write it down or, you know, I think about it, but then I'm on a mission to do something else, bring it up. And then you're like, oh, light bulb goes off. And you're like, you know, I thought about that, but then forgot about it. or And so we really get to learn a lot from the college students that come and join us, the young, the new young staff that um, are on and just a different organization. So yeah, that networking is huge to have that. It was a very nice, uplifting start to the year because we had that in early February. So just a great group of women and amazing friends that I've made over the years.
2: And Lori, really quick, if um, any of our listeners are in the natural resources realm and they want to get involved in IWINNER, how can they get involved and attend one of those conferences? We do a conference once a year and we're not the best at sending out, we're
3: trying to do more Facebook stuff And I finally have a couple people that are really more tech savvy than me because, you know, I'm older and I'm not as tech savvy. I'm still learning. And so we're trying to put a lot on our Facebook page, which we have an Iowa Women and Natural Resources Facebook page. And also we're going to talk about OJ, which is Outdoor Journey for Girls. We have a Facebook page there and that program is kind of like my summer saving grace. We have two programs, one in July and one in August. Uh, 2020, we did not have either because, you know, pandemic decided to show up. Last year, we had one. We had the one in August, which was at Wildwood Hills Ranch, which was a new location. Um, Because we used to have it at Springbrook, which was owned by the DNR. That shut down. So we found a new place. It was at the 4-H camp in Madrid by Ames. That shut down. And so then here's partnerships again, uh, Tama County Pork Producers, come to our July OJ and I got them involved through my uncle who was a pork producer. And they're like really questioning. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, my dad, my uncle. And he says, you guys cook. And we're having this program with girls and we're looking for someone to come and cook a meal for us. And, and he's like, okay. And so called him, you know, the week before major make sure we're still on the schedule and Denny gets there. And after he gets there, he's like, sign us up every year, Lori. I love what you're doing. And he's like, the only reason I said I would do this is because I knew your uncle. He goes, not because you, but then afterwards he, he's like, this is awesome. And so we, cause he does a lot with FFA kids. So we always talk about how do we get kids outdoors? How do we get them involved? And so we're always tossing back ideas and suggestions Well, they had a meeting and um, the producers were going to help with another program that we have at George with and sponsor some kids for a, the U of I wildlife camp and they had another gal show up and she happened to be from Wildwood Hills, but we knew we were going to need a new location. And we teach the hunter ed program at OJ. And so we needed a place where we could shoot because we think that's very important that the girls shoot archery, shoot a 20 gauge, shoot a 22. So they physically can understand what it, the whole process. And so she was talking about it and they um, were talking about this wild boar challenge because the team county pork producers would go and grill for their event and you know when they say wild boar challenge I'm like they're gonna hunt wild boars that'd be really cool because that's where my mind went well no it is a mud run race climb things And I'm like oh that's
0: not what I was thinking mine either when you said that I'm like whoa I want to do that wild boar hunt (laughs) too and so then um I'm like, it's
3: just, he's talking about their facilities and stuff. And they have bunk houses, they have a lake, they've got trails, they've got a trust course and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, Ooh, I need to talk to her because we need to get together. And so we started planning in 2019. Well then 2020 hit. And so we were really lucky. We had 14 girls last year, which it was okay to have a small group last year, just so we could kind of get the feel of it. And so we are scheduled to have them back there again next year and it'll be the 8th to the 10th of August. And then um, Hickory Hills, which is just south of Waterloo, which is the one I was more heavily involved with to start with, um, is the 12th to the 14th. Um, It's a Tuesday, Thursday there. It's after 4th of July, we've been through Memorial Day. So it's fun to get these girls and they're 12 to 15 year olds. Um, They come for, it's two nights, three days. The first day is camping, survival, kayaking, canoeing, water safety, um, we do fur bearing, um, things like that. And then the second day is all hunter education. So they go through the whole hunter education program. So it's a very long day for them. And then on that second night, we, um, do a wild game sampling for them. And so we cook wild game and it's kind of fun to see some of the girls cause they're like, what's that? I said, if I told you it was pork, chicken and beef, you would eat it and not even question it. Yeah. I'm like, just take a sample. I'm like fish. Well, I don't like fish. I'm like, it's not fish sticks from the store. It, mm. it, it, you know, just take a little bite. And some girls are really good about it. Um, but a lot of them will at least try some of the stuff. Um, and then the third day is all about fishing. And so up here in Waterloo, Cedar Falls area, we have the Cedar Valley Walleye Club that they come down and help fish, catch fish if we need fish for cleaning. Um, and we've changed it around to where the girls will go fishing first and then they can clean their fish in the afternoon after that, if they catch them. And we had one girl catch a huge catfish. And so they ended up taking care of it and she got to take it home. And and with social media and stuff, these girls stay in contact a lot longer. Um, last year was actually the 30th year
0: for OJ. And OJ is Outdoor Journey for Girls, right? I just want to make Correct. sure that, okay, good. Yeah, awesome. Outdoor
3: Journey for Girls. And so... It's just, it's so much fun to see these girls. Some of them, it's the first time they're away from home. Some of them are there by themselves with no friends. And, you know, some of them are kind of quiet. But then by the end of the third day, oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just chatterbox.
0: How do they uh, sign up or is there a reference?
3: Um, The age is 12 to 15. We just got our new forms up on our website at www.iwinr.com. com, we have sponsorships we can get. Pheasants Forever is one of our main sponsorships for the girls. Um, We've had Shields sponsor girls in the past. We have fur harvesters organizations. Parents will sponsor the girls. Grandparents will sponsor the girls. Um, It's one hundred and fifty dollars for the program, and that's for their lodging, food, and all that. If friends are coming, we like to separate them during the day because we want them to experience and the programs only have like 30 girls. So it's not like they don't get to see each other through the day they do, but we kind of want them to separate. So they meet new people. And then when they bunk at night, they get to bunk with their friends at night, but it's like, we want you to spread it on. And if moms, sis moms, aunts, grandmas, whatever, come and help chaperone, we want them separated and not in the same group either, because sometimes, you know, kids will do more if mom and the relative is not watching or right there overhead. Um, and everybody grows. It's just like, you know, go watch some other girls and see how they do and let your daughter experience with this group and, and stuff. And so we really want them to really enjoy it. And that way it helps not leave somebody out. But yeah, once they get going, it's just, it's fun to watch them. And for some of them that have never done any outdoor stuff it's great. We had one girl that her family didn't want her to do it, but she wanted to go hunting with her grandpa. And so she passed her hunter ed course and she was so excited and so was her grandpa. And we had one girl that wasn't going to touch a fish one year. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And it was a sucker fish. And she's like, ah, well then, you know, a little bit later, she's kind of holding it. And then before she left, she gave it a quick kiss. And so it's, you go from one extreme to the other and it's just, it's a riot. And you know, so When that's halfway through the summer, it's just like, it's a nice refresher for me and seeing these kids enjoy the outdoors, whether they really get into it or not is, you know, a lot of women make the major major decisions in the household when they are with their significant others. And if they at least understand fishing, understand hunting, they may not be so fast to say no. And now with the dynamics of families and a lot of single parent families, You know, even dads, they maybe did some of the outdoor stuff, but hadn't for a long time. And so they're all looking for ways to expose their kids. And one thing we learned in the last two years, especially, is you can always go outdoors. And if you go outdoors, you don't always have to have six to 10 people to do what you're going to do. You can go by yourself. You can grab one friend and just go. And it's a stress reliever or, you know, when you catch that fish, it's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And, you know, or I, I loved trap shooting. I was trap shooting was around when I was in high school. My, my dad would have been my biggest supporter and, you know, and going fishing and, and all that stuff, or it really helps expose some of these girls that may not have a chance or a mom that did, like I went fishing, but now with all the fishing stuff out there, I look at the a couple of the guys from the Walleye club that give my kids stuff. I'm like, you need to teach them. Cause I said, I know how to fish with a minnow and a worm. I don't know all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, didn't have all this stuff. I had, I had a fishing pole, a minnow or a worm, and I went and caught fish. And so, you know, so there's just a lot of changes and things and just exposing them to it. And when now we have, we've done it long enough as now we have girls that have were there are coming back as venture chaperones or presenters for us. And we have some other daughter teams that are coming back too. And it's just, it's awesome to see it coming full circle and just to get people outdoors. And the organizations that we have help us are so supportive of it. And they just, they love to see these girls get some of this experience because if they've done it at least once or twice, they're not so against it in the future. And we can, you know, we tell them, with Hunter Ed, you don't have to go hunting. But we want you to know what to do. You can help protect yourself or anybody else is that how to handle that safely. You know, so safety is a huge part of this. And and that's what we really stress. But with having archery in schools, we have a lot of girls now that they've been through, they do archery in school. And so they're, you know, I'm like my dad said, he taught all his women in his family how to shoot. And he goes, maybe that wasn't such a good idea because we're pretty good shots. And so, you know, it's, it's awesome to see these programs where anybody with any capability can participate. And that's what's great about the outdoors is you don't have to be six foot five. You don't have to be, you know, 140 pounds. You don't have to be physically fit. You can go do these activities. And I saw a blind student that did archery in schools. And I got to stand next to him and kind of help because he could see shadows and stuff. So you would tell him where he hit blue low. And then he knew how to to raise, you know, where to aim then. And a kid with cerebral palsy that would walk and he actually got better because of walking back and forth to pull his arrows out. So just exposing the kids to this and especially having a specific group for girls to go to because guys can be intimidating. Um, Especially if you're not brought up around a bunch of guys, it's, it's intimidating for some girls. So it's nice to have girls be able to compete against each other.
2: And Lori, what age did you say um, for girls that could go to the outdoor journey for girls? What age is that targeting? 12 to 15. Okay. Awesome. Well, what a great time. It is. It is. So if you guys are ever over this way, come on over. Absolutely. And we have a Facebook page. We put a lot of pictures
3: up there. And so they can, um, you can see some of the different things that we've done over the years, so.
2: Awesome. Well, Lori, it's been a pleasure talking with you. The past hour has absolutely flown by. And, you know, what's interesting is we all started this conversation talking about all the millions of things we have going on in the spring, Lori, yourself included. There's so much going on. But I think this conversation has really reminded me that despite all of that, to still be a human. <laughs> that seems really broad and vague, but it, it can be easy when you have such a full plate. And Lori, I'm sure you can attest to this to feel um, almost robotic about everything on your to-do list getting done. But slowing down and having those human interactions, like you mentioned, chatting with all the different folks at the campsite, um, having these great relationships with your staff, getting involved in the uh, Winner organization through Iowa to support other women in the outdoors. That's just it goes beyond just doing your job. It's not robotic. It's, it's being a human. So I really appreciate your, the depth of the conversation today, Lori, and your attention to detail there.
3: Well, I appreciate being a part of this. This, this was great. Rachel, I appreciate you You mentioning it to me a few months ago about being on. And thanks for having me. This Love talking to you guys. It's great.
2: Awesome. Well, Lori, uh, before we let you go, are there any exciting events coming up at George With this summer that you want to chat about? Uh, Well, we have a Fool's 5K, 10K coming up April 2nd.
3: Um, It was started by a good friend of mine 20 years ago um, who now moved to Colorado, but another group has taken it over. So it's kind of the kickoff to the running that goes on around in the community. And it's here at George With, So people can dress up in crazy costumes because it's the Fool's Run. And then we have our, this summer, we've got the University of Iowa Wildlife Camp at George With for a week. It's the week of the 14th of June or the 11th, like 11th through 17th or something like that, that week of June um, that we have. Outdoor Journey for Girls in July at Hickory Hills. And then again in August at Wildwood Hills Ranch. Um, One big project that we've been working on for a while, uh, is one section of trail that is our main connection between Waterloo and Cedar Falls that runs right through the park and is the most scenic part or one of the most scenic parts of the trail system was washed out part of it. And that section should be started work here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. And that's why it needs to not flood because I need that to get done. Budgets are always tight, but I needed like, you know, $700,000 to fix the rest of this mile and a half section of trail. And with a lot of grit and determination and um, my dad's spirit in me, I was able to secure a grant that did not require matching money, but through the Cedar Charles Partnership, they had raised money through fundraising and grants uh, with almost $70,000. And we were able to secure a $685,000 grant that will take care of the rest of that trail and it'll go from blacktop to concrete. Um, It'll be now 10 feet wide because that section is only eight feet wide, so it's not technically a trail. So I should not have to worry about that trail ever again is for my career and uh, that's a huge project and it's just, it's nice to see it. That's another thing about this community is with us being a state agency, I'm so blessed to have so many different organizations that are willing to step up and help us do things. And, you know, with budgets tight and public wanting to use things and they're like, well, how come this isn't done? It's like, well, if we don't have public support for it, both financially and verbally, then these grants look at it as like, well, why would we give money to it? Because you don't have the support. And so the community really stepped up to help fix bridges on other sections of trail, Um, to help with this. So they're finally realizing is we have quite the gem here and it takes the whole village to make it work because they're multi-use trails. It really affects a lot of people and a lot of the companies realize how important stuff like that is here. And so, yeah, being in a metropolitan area, we are so lucky with the support that we get locally from all aspects of the community. And it's... You don't get that very always a lot for a government agency in an urban setting. Come to the table and we work together and come to a consensus and everybody plays nice in the sandbox up here.
1: Well, Lori, it's been a pleasure as always. It's just such a, a fun little look into the happenings of Northeast Iowa, the happenings of the George with State Park and just kind of a grounding conversation to, you know, really get us refocused and recharged for the upcoming influx of, of stuff. So thank you for your time this morning. And I'm going to put one more push out there. If our listeners have a daughter, a granddaughter, a neighbor girl in their life, um, that happen to be in Iowa, and please check out the outdoor journey for girls page. Lori mentioned you can find it from the IWINNER website. We'll, we'll drop those links in the show notes when we're done with the podcast today be sure to follow the she goes outdoors facebook page and check for updates and share your adventures along your way subscribe get updates on new. so as always we can't wait to see you outdoors